clubhouse. Silly me. We're all in mourning because Bobby lost out on a dream house. It's not about the house. I just am so tired. Yeah, who sleeps these days? Oh, jeez, I mean mentally. Not you. I wake up, I go to the salon, I come home, I watch a game with the guys. In between, there are a few donkeys, coffees, and a pack of menthols. You're okay with that? Everyone knows what their life's gonna look like in 10, 20 years. Pretending things will change is how they sell washing machines. I'm just I'm tired of trying. I feel like nothing I do is ever enough. I really think if I could start over and go somewhere else and just do everything right this time, I can finally be done. Is that insane? You know how many people come into my salon every week thinking a perm will solve all their problems? I mean, maybe you're insane, but you're not alone. This is Caroline. And this is Mike. Welcome to Kevin Can Podcast Himself, your dedicated after-show podcast for Kevin Can Fuck Himself, AMC, AMC Plus's newest series. Tonight, we're talking about the pilot episode, episode one, Living the Dream. The series was created by Valerie Armstrong, and Valerie also wrote this episode, and it was directed by Oz Rodriguez. Man, what a wild tale Kevin Can Fuck Himself is, Caroline. What did you, uh, you think of this one? It's going to be a fun, interesting ride to talk about for eight episodes. Yeah, I think that the tagline that I saw in one of the write-ups was, it makes us think about who and what we're laughing at all these years. And that, like, pierced my soul. I was like, whoa, what have we been laughing at? And who have we been laughing at all of these years? Um, it's definitely something that I'm excited to have our listeners partake in this conversation with us. We want to hear your stories. We want to know what's going on. What do you relate to? Who do? You, who are you in this relationship? Because Mike and I are going to talk to you about how we don't just think this is a husband wife thing. This is a these are two partners, and their genders don't really matter. I think there's different roles we all play in a relationship, and we can relate. This show is such an interesting study of the sitcom and the traditional sitcom wife and the sitcom husband, and and the tropes that are so well worn. And this show really is is looking at that, but it's it's going deeper than that. It's going going into real world relationships. So you're you're going to hear us say things like the sitcom wife trope or and and give gender roles, but it's really not about gender at all. It's about the role people take and have in relationships or or given in relationships so uh, there are a lot of people at some point that are an allison in their relationship whether they're a man or a woman or otherwise so there's a lot of people who are going to look and say oh shit i think i was a kevin in that relationship yeah and and maybe we all switch up day to day maybe sometimes we feel like an allison sometimes we don't this show is so interesting caroline because it's so hard to describe and not only what the show is about, but just how it's presented. It's hard in 2021 
you and I both watch a lot of TV. It's kind of our job, right here with the at the <laughs> it at absolutely <laughs> is. Uh, you know, we watch a lot of TV, and I can honestly say with a total straight face and no hyperbole, I don't think I've ever seen a show quite like this, and I mean that in the very best way possible. I agree that it's high concept, and I hope that it's something that, as I was watching episode one for probably the fifth time, I was thinking, I really hope that our audiences will sit and absorb this and really take it in because it's so easy to dismiss it at the beginning when it's really just the sitcom portion. And you're like, oh God, you know, not something I've seen a hundred times before. This looks so familiar. This is a show from my childhood. I, I don't need to see this. Like what is Pod Clubhouse talking about? I really hope they hang in there and understand that that weight because this is being layered and you're going to start seeing these reveals that are happening that are going to blow you away. My son, who watches a lot of TV because I watch a lot of TV, he was with me when I went to sit uh, to take notes, uh, my third viewing, and I, and I sat down to take notes. The show starts and it has that kicking intro, uh, which could have been pulled out of Family Matters or any other show from the step 90s. By step action. Yeah, like the <laughs> da 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 da. And then like the note resolves as we dissolve into the living room and they're playing beer pong. Before they've even said a word, just just that cue, seeing the house on the residential street and then queuing into the bright light multicam set, Tom turns to me and he goes, oh, so this is like an old show? This is like an old comedy? He's, uh, he's like, it looks like Roseanne or like Raymond. And I said, no, but I'm so happy you said that, though, because that's kind of exactly what the show is trying to give us here. So they clearly hit the mark because... This 13-year-old who hasn't been around for when shows like Family Matters and and uh, King of Queens and Everybody Loves Raymond was on the air, wasn't even alive then, he got what they were trying to do here. So it's interesting. But you have to go deeper than that, though. Yeah, hang in there. That's that's the, the message that we want, want you to get from this very first podcast is hang in there because there is going to be all these twists and turns that are yeah. coming for you for this season, but also just even just I'm so glad that AMC Plus decided to play back to back one and two, because I think that you need that hook to keep you watching. I mean, I, I can say that, you know, people in my household watched and at first, you know, they were giggling along with the sitcom, but about three quarters of the way through, they started to really realize what was happening. And by the end, even in the sitcom parts, they weren't really laughing. Like it became like a, like a, oh God, like where you're like kind of touching your jaw, like, oh God, hold on. There's more to this. And I really want to find out what, what Allison's going to do. So let's explain the formatting so that our listeners are not completely confused. <laughs> Was this show what you expected it to be? I didn't really know what to expect. I had understood this idea of it's going to be a multicam sitcom that also uses a single cam drama format, but they're going to be mixed together. And I had seen a little clip where she, where the Allison character walks from the living room, which is a sitcom setup, into the kitchen and you you watch the kitchen transform into the lighting and the look and feel and styling, I should say, because of how she looks, of a drama. I was like, whoa, what just happened? And that moment alone caught me up. I was like, okay, all right, this is more fascinating than anything I've seen in a very long time. It feels very fresh. Now, what are they going to do with it? And that pulled me in right away. I always watch shows that I'm reviewing two or three times. 
because I watch it the first time to let it wash over me and to take all the surprise out, to take all of the emotion out. It's always my most emotional or Typically, it's my most emotional viewing of an episode, whether it's the one where I laugh the most or get upset the most or angry the most, whatever the show is, because I don't know what's coming and I'm watching it. I'm not taking notes. I'm not looking up and down. Uh, I'm, I'm fully engaged with the show. When the she leaves the the living room after the beer pong scene, uh, scene with the mug in the in the hamper in her laundry basket, and then it switches to that single cam washed out look that it has. It was startling to me, but I got to yeah. tell you, it was startling all three times that I watched it. Yeah, I was going to actually ask you. So, so did you find like if you said you feel most emotional that first time? I'm curious, did that stick for this one? Like when you watched no. it the third time? Oh, no. hey, so me no. too. I, okay. I, I, when I sat down to watch this and take notes and really think critically about the show and what's happening here, I was so disturbed. I had anxiety when, when the ear piercing noise kicked in and the heart thumping scenes, every time it kicked in, like I felt that I felt yeah. it in my chest. I, I, I was there with her. I was married for a long time. I, it was, it had good moments and it had bad moments and it had all sorts of moments in between. And I'm sure there were times maybe where I was a Kevin, but there were certainly times where I was an Allison in that, in that life and relationship. And I could identify with a lot of what she's going through in this episode and a lot of the emotions that she's feeling and and showing us in this episode so i think when i was watching it for a critical eye i was kind of like very thinly raw to taking Mm -hmm. it in at that moment in a way that i'm not for most shows and yet no it hit me the most uh this third time i watched it i think the amazing thing about the show too is that it has all these small micro reveals that are so small they're so small they're almost undetectable when you're first watching and it's not until you get to the end of an episode and you think about hang on a second what did i what did i just see and you go back specifically to those sitcom parts i'm i am asking you guys to put on your mic your little spyglass and your you know sherlock holmes hat nancy drew hat whichever you identify with definitely examine the lines for what they are and if you want to do like a full on experiment go ahead and Put it on mute and put on closed caption and just read the words for what they are. And without that cue of the laugh track, without that extra bubbly music and silliness that's going on, if you just read what it says, you start to get like a whole different feel for the show and the dynamic that makes me, it's almost like, you know, when it's like a mystery and you find out who done it and you want to go back and see, did I miss the clues yeah. and yeah. you want to reread it? It's like that only, but here's the cool thing. We've seen four episodes now. It's like that every single episode. It's not just like there's one reveal at the end of the season, like most shows have, right. you know, or maybe even get one reveal a show. It's like, if you go back in every episode, there's all these small micro reveals where you're like, oh my God, there was a clue. There was a clue. There was a clue. It's exciting like that. You can be a really active watcher and listener well, this show does something really smart which most high concept shows should do and not nearly enough do this show teaches you caroline how to watch it mm, tell me i don't know too much about this part like lost was a show like this right you had stuff that took place in the present and then you had stuff that took place in the past through flashbacks and you had to understand how they interacted. So when you were watching a flashback, uh, the show taught you over time, you were going to be dealing with this character, the arc or the, the, 
whatever the storyline is in the flashback is going to have some resonance now in the present. So you need to be paying attention to those flashbacks. You can't pick up your phone and be like, ah, fuck it. It doesn't matter. They're in a flashback. Who cares? They're not on the island. I only watch it for the smoke monster. You know, the ticket, the ticket. You know, so no, you can't. You have to you have to watch the show. And you need to listen. And you need to listen. You need to pick up all you need to you need to commit yourself to the show because it's always giving you clues. The single cam format, the the drama. If you're if we're gonna call the show a dramedy, the drama portion of the show, the single cam portion of the show, you have to pay attention to those moments because it informs the insidious trauma of the sitcom portion of the show. And you have to be paying attention to the sitcom portions of the show. Which I think people are going to want to blow off. And that's the part that we're like giving you the big eyebrow and say, don't do it. Don't blow off the sitcom part. You won't feel deeply enough. And the show is giving you all of the, the clues I think you need to really understand where Allison is coming from and who she is and what she's going through right now in her life. But you need to watch those sitcom scenes and you need to... You need to let them watch over you, but you also need to make sure you're not getting caught up in the jokes that we're all trained to laugh at. You know, when Neil says, that's why you're the mom. <laughs> like, that's a fucking weird thing to say to a 35-year-old woman that you're the same age as. Let's start Let's start talking about the dynamic of this cast a little bit, if that's okay. So I actually found it fascinating that at 35, they didn't have kids because that was one of the first things that kind of that kind of switched the show up for me. Normally on our sitcoms, be it Roseanne, be it anything, Simpsons, all those shows, like it's like three kids. It's like you're just issued them. And especially by the time you're 35, it seemed like all all of these families were just like this packaged situation. And so to see them with no kids and then to hear that line, we don't have kids because it will pull focus away from Kevin. Yeah. Oh, again, it was just like, that was just a one liner, but you're like, wait, what? Yeah, that's why you don't have kids there. I mean, that that's a great example of you need to watch the sitcom portions of the show because you have to understand who Kevin is. Allison has the uh, coked up monologue at the end of the episode where she really starts to put pieces together for herself, telling us, you know, different things that Kevin has done. And now she's starting to reevaluate, you know, does he say I'm a bad driver because I'm a bad driver? Or does he say I'm a bad driver because he wants the car? Kevin never has to share. Kevin never has to do anything Kevin doesn't want. He gets everything he wants. And guys, you're going to see this play out episode after episode and it gets worse and worse but it really reveals who kevin is oh we have one car he doesn't have to share it he doesn't have to share anything he has me all to himself because i never went back to school and he says that's because i never finished things but do i never finish things or does he take them from me am i bad at driving or does he want the car as long as I had this thing, this just, like this image of what I what we could be, I had something to hope for. But now I try to picture anything good and like what the hell are you supposed to do if you can't close your eyes and picture a future where everything's okay? Because dreaming's useless with him around. So what do I just go numb? 
And when you think about it, it's horrifying how this guy treats her, just how he gets along in the world, particularly how he treats Allison. We need to say definitively, because Valerie Armstrong, the creator of the show, she gave an interview. I think it's in Variety. She gave this interview. All of these moments are real. This is not, it's not you know, Allison has her real life, which is like the, the the drama portion, the single cam portion. And then it's in her head, the comedy multicam portion. All of these things are real. They're all aspects of Allison's life, but they're all really happening. The, the anniversary rager really happened. That wasn't in her head. Same as when she goes into the bathtub to drink in the single cam. That also really happened. All of these things are happening. And I think that's important because I think a lot of people are going to assume or they're going to be trying to look for the puzzles and the clues which is great but i think i think it's important to not downplay these things as Ugh, they're just in her head they're not really happening no yeah that she's just like put like making it like a perception call right. she's, on she's just happening. melodramatic right right uh, yes and there there are all sorts of rules that the show will continue to show uh, show and evolve and clarify us there are times when it's in the multicam comedy sitcom version and there are rules that govern that it's when kevin's on on screen or neil or the dad is on uh pete uh is on screen that has to be multicam those are like the rules that the show is setting up there are other there are other things that the show is going to show us and teach us how to watch it but it's all happening this is all real stuff very fascinating i again you had asked back like how do you explain this to people and you have such a good way of explaining it i I, you have one sentence that is so fantastic that i've stolen and that's how i'm explaining it to people the way that i absorbed this was i felt like and i even think the nod to her name is right in it i take this as the honeymooners i take this as ralph and alice cramden and everything about them and i know here's the thing some of our younger listeners may have never seen the honeymooners and if you haven't i really encourage you to get on youtube and watch a couple clips and really absorb look at even the way that they physically look but then pay attention to what happens all the moments where alice leaves the room after being teased and harassed and and made butt of the joke by her husband ralph she walks out of the room and i feel like this show is what happens when alice cramden leaves the room where does she go and how does her life proceed and how does she feel about the fact that every night norton comes over and every night they have to have this like harebrained scheme kind of nonsense and her husband has this blue collar very you know dead end he happens to be a bus driver job you know just how much she is doing I mean, she looks like a perfect princess in The Honeymooners. She has beautiful hair, beautiful lipstick, everything. In fact, there is a couple scenes where when she's daydreaming like the new house and she is wearing practically exactly what Alice Cramden wears. Um, she's wearing that like 1950s dress. But even down to Ralph Cramden's hair never wanted to lay down flat. And like Kevin's cowlick makes me crazy. Yeah, Kevin and Neil is Ralph and Norton. To, to the T, the the idea that this show is what happens when Alice Cramden leaves the room when Ralph and Norton are getting up to their shit is so dead on perfect that I am surprised AMC's not using it for their own tagline because... They have to employ me, Mike. I, they got to put you on the payroll <laughs> because I think you say that line. And if you think about that line, now you could say that line and I could hear that line. But if I don't think about that, 
I'm going to miss it. Because you have to think about what the shit that Ralph does, the nonsense, the yeah. shenanigans that Ralph and Norton get up to, and that Alice has to go clean up those messes and be the straight woman and, and be the responsible one all the time. The amount of times that she has to probably grip the side of the sink in her kitchen just to breathe through the moment. Well, that's Alison McRoberts. Absolutely. The weirdest response that I've had so far to the format of the show was I explained it to somebody and they said, so she's schizophrenic. And I said, no, like, that's not it at all. Like, no, no, no. Like, this is all, no, this is all really happening. And it's not like, I feel like, again, this needs to be underlined, underscored. This is relatable to so many people. You may not be in a relationship. You not. You may not be even near to their age. Maybe you're older, maybe you're younger. We all have masks and faces that we wear in various situations. And it's the way that we kind of handle the rest of our life around these situations and how much they sort of dictate our movements, even though like they aren't our authentic selves. However, we all do it, whether it's at work or whether it's with one group of friends over another or whether it's at church or wherever you are. You're putting on one persona. And that's why, again, we think this is a very genderless situation. It's just we right. all have those moments where we are playing the part. If you don't understand this setup of the husband who does madcap things and the wife just has to kind of take it, The Honeymooners is the best. The Flintstones is a is a is is an animated ripoff of The Honeymooners. So go watch Fred, Fred and uh, Wilma. They are Ralph and Alice and in and there's Barney and Betty are, you know, the the sidekick, you know, enablers of that. Watch Peter Griffin and Lois in Family Guy. Watch Homer and Marge in The Simpsons. Watch Doug and Carrie in King of Queens. Watch Deborah and Raymond in Everybody Loves Raymond. These are all examples of the sitcom wife having to deal with, clean up after, and live with these buffoons. Have we ever stopped to think about what these women are actually going through, what they're forced to live through? And what's really going on in their lives? Because the entire time I was watching, I kept saying, you know what? It's funny because every single thing that happens. And I mean, everything down to the lines of Coke. In the first four episodes, I pretty much know somebody who has done one of these things. And I find that alone fascinating. I think if we're honest with ourselves, I think we're going to find, and guys, we should say up front, this is probably going to get a little personal, this podcast. This is going to hit notes for Caroline, for me, for you guys listening. If you guys are watching the show and you are open to what the show is saying, I would be very surprised if you're not feeling emotionally like hit in in your heart and in your soul by what's happening here. Because I think at all parts, all of us who are adults of a certain age have gone through what Allison is going through. Because of different dynamics, we've all been there in different ways. I, I am frightened to look through my past and try to think, have I ever been the Kevin? Mm-hmm. Have I? Have I purposely said or done things that changed the course of what was happening for someone else and just laughed it off and just was like, oh, that was the outcome. I, that's not a flattering thing to say, but I think everybody does it at points in time and there's different things to you know see in yourself. I mean, honest to God, I think we'll all live longer if we all do a little bit of probably a self-examination every now and then and see if you've ever been a Kevin and honestly, see if you've ever been an Allison because you know I think it's important to note, Allison is not a Christ figure. 
this is not a perfect woman. Allison is flawed. We are all flawed. And and I think I think this even this first episode shows she herself is not perfect. She herself admits that she is maybe contributing to the problem a little bit and of her situation. And the situation maybe even is a little bit of her own making of how bad it's gotten. There's that great line, and we can play the clip here. I'm not giving up on this. I can't. <laughs> I can get Kevin to that bank tomorrow morning, and I don't care if he's still taking pulls off a handle of tequila. I know it doesn't seem like it, but I know how to work Kevin. He's capable of stuff. It's like how I got him to remember our anniversary. You just have to make him think that it's his idea. You know, we can he's still... He's What? Come on. Wake the hell up. There's no we in there. What the hell do you know? Nobody thinks that we're leaving, but I promise you. The account's empty. What? The weekly savings thing? It's gone. That's not possible, because I was there when we opened the account. Like 10 years ago, and then you let him keep track of the money. Because I'm bad with money. You think he's better? You can have your head in the sand, but when shit blows up all around you and you pull your head out of the sand, well, you have to deal with the consequences of those. And I think that's something we all can identify with. Let's get into the casting, because I think a lot of people know Annie Murphy from this last couple of years where she has just been shining. Emmy Award winning Annie Murphy. Alexis um, over on Schitt's Creek and we love her so much and she's so funny. I was blown away by her performance in these episodes. I felt like she had fantastic range. I feel her pain in my heart, you know, the expressions that she has. But then she plays the sitcom wife really convincingly. I mean, she's she's got the the big eye moments and the and the kind of knee slapper joke kind of moments and all that. And she can do it without completely getting cringeworthy, which is hard because sitcomy can get pretty cringy. But she does it when she's doing the sitcom sections. She's like straight out of sitcom wife central casting. And that's a compliment because that's exactly what she's supposed to be doing. There's a scene where Kevin makes a joke about the cost of something. And then she, because they have been talking about Pottery Barn later on. And she she kind of comes back at him and does like a whole like over dramatic like wink and a thing like, you know, sell out the Pottery Barn. And he doesn't laugh, yeah. which is yeah. a theme of the show. It's funny. And she nails it and she delivers it. She delivers it beautifully. All everything she's doing in this epi- in this series is reminiscent for me of the best moments of Alexis Rose. Some people laugh off that character as being really one dimensional, two dimensional at best, being very vapid, being very unconcerned with or very aware of the, of her surroundings. But there are moments, especially as Shit's Creek went on, where Alexis really grew and she evolved and she became a really fully three-dimensional character. That complexity, the ability to do comedy and then switch gears like that into dramatic and into self-reflective and into closed off where you come into your own shell, where, where you armadillo up a bit, all with like out hearing the gears grind as she shifts. All of that stuff that she would do from time to time as Alexis Rose is out here now for all of us to watch as Allison McRoberts. And 
I, I mean, I, if she ends up not winning an award for this, just based on the first four episodes, I'd be really surprised. It, she's doing she's doing really great work here, I think. I agree. I'm really looking forward to watching her character develop more and more and just learning more about her. I have so many questions. I, I think when you were listing off all of those sitcoms, I thought, you know, we all have the same exact question. How did he get her? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is, you know, always the question that we have. And, and I'm looking forward to that story being revealed as we move along. So lots to find out about her. Now let's talk about her counterpart because Eric Peterson plays Kevin. I'm having such a hard time because Eric Peterson is a real human and I don't want to have bad thoughts about a real person, but there are parts to this, the way he looks, the way his hair flops around that just makes me want to punch his face. Yes, because of the smugness, because of the way they look and act. And and Kevin McRoberts or Kelvin McLoberts, uh, depending mm. on who you are, <laughs> is one of these people who just needs a good ass kicking. I don't even think it would matter. I don't think it would matter. That's the thing. He got into a fight with a male woman and he had her deported. That's who Kevin McRoberts is. And an argument with the male lady and he got her deported. There's a TikTok out there right now where this lady is talking about hot girl summer. And she's like, there's this guy and he says, uh, remember, you can't have hot girl summer unless you're hot. And she's like, we need to take douche canoes like this and put them in a box and put a lock on it and throw it in the ocean because that's what they taught me on Supernatural. That's what Dean and Sam taught me you do with demons. And it's like so cute. This whole idea of like the douche canoe that's just like on such another level, such another level. Like I don't, you could beat his ass and it won't change a thing. It's in his DNA. This is just him. And, you know, like we said, this doesn't represent every husband. We all play the douche canoe sometimes, but this guy's full of it. <laughs> as far as it goes, though, I think you have to give Eric a lot of credit, though, because I think he's killing it, though. He is he is being the most Ralph Cramden that Ralph Cramden could ever possibly be. And I think that's a compliment to his performance that you and I are feeling so strongly to that though, uh, yeah. because because there there's an authenticity coming through in this guy i know kevin mcroberts i have known this guy i've known this husband i have known this dad at sporting events i have known this guy who thinks he's entitled to everything and doesn't share but expects everyone else to share with him uh and i you know the hair the look the you know being the dry a, erase board being in the iowa three to an allison's new york 10 kind of thing you know what i mean and uh and, and, yeah and 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 not realizing that he has like you know married so far above his weight but i think he's killing it though in that role though the hair alone is its like own character it's so floppy. <laughs> he he turns his head and he huffs off to the kitchen. And I swear to God, his hair was still moving independently of its body when he yeah. was like heading to the kitchen. It, it, yeah, it was great. But I don't really know Eric from anything, though. I mean, his IMDb, his big role was in Kirstie, the Kirstie Alley show. Like the rest of the cast after Annie Murphy, I don't really know too many of these people uh, and their in their histories. What what did you think of of Patty and uh, Mary Hollis Imboden? I hope I'm pronouncing her name correctly. In Imboden, Imboden. We'll go with that. Uh, her, her, her big credit is The Real O'Neills, which is a show, again, I watched, and I actually know her from that, but I wasn't a huge fan of the show, so I don't really have a feel for her body of work before this. 
What do I think about her um, as a character or is uh, the, the character? No, the character. Because I, I think I think I think all of these guys are doing justice to their roles. I think they're all playing their roles pretty well. So let, let's talk about Patty a little bit. The 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 girlfriend who should be, or at least we assume uh, culturally that she should be an ally to Allison, but really is an ally to Kevin. See, I think that's a whole gender thing that that is worth like talking about, like the whole portion of like just because we're both women, we're supposed to be friends or we're supposed to look out for each other. That's a real misnomer. Like that's not what happens. And, you know, the fact that there's always that guy's girl who just like can't be friends with other women. They're constantly, you know, buddying up to guys. And there's reasons for that, you know, because, again, it's finding specific personalities that they can get along with. I'm really surprised that Patty broke even a little bit on the porch in episode one but i think that that's the great news about this show that they're willing to progress every episode quite a bit and so like you get the idea of like what their relationship would have been for so long when she says just just the off-putting nature of patty she wants to be friends so bad allison does or just to have somebody to talk to and patty's around all the time because of but because though of the assumed gender uh, you know you you should be my girlfriend kind of thing no because there's nothing to indicate other than they're both women what allison would have in common for patty but you're so right she looks to patty like why aren't you on my side here? But why? Why would she be Allison? No, you're you're because Allison is is thinking the same kind of stereotype. Allison meets no nice women that are on her side in this episode. But you have Patty, right, who is yes. not friendly to her. She's she's loyal to Kevin. But then the other only really women that we meet in this episode is the makeup bitches who make mm-hmm. fun of her powdered munchkin's lips. And uh, then you have D uh, at the liquor store, her aunt by marriage. All of them are playing their parts. You know, they're they're playing. I mean, I haven't met a makeup woman at behind a counter who hasn't been a bitch. <laughs> That's just the role they play. It's, it's in their training. And they're probably normal people away from when they're not wearing their Clinique coats. They're probably very normal people, but that's just the role they have to play. For Patty, this is a role that she's playing too. I, I'm eager uh-huh. to see Patty grow and change throughout this season because I feel like we're going to find out a lot more about her. I'm really crossing my fingers we are because there's more to her than meets the eye basically and and I just don't think she's just this basic like I'm just going to hang out with my brother and his friends and you know because she's the little sister. That's the funny. She's the DW. <laughs> oh, there you go. I think it's important to note a couple things about Patty before anyone makes any kind of assumptions about her. One, uh, replay or go watch again or and listen to the words of when she finally that whole scene from the point where Allison punches the mailbox uh, and she says, you know, F, and then she says, just say, fuck, God, F is so much worse. That whole scene from there all the way through telling her uh, about the accounts and and how they're emptied and, you know, calling her out for you thought Kevin was going to be better with money. Uh, there, There's a lot there. But listen to how Patty talks about Kevin. She's not. Her, she's not blind to Kevin's flaws. Right, she's not enamored with him. She's not Neil. He worships him. That's Barney Rubble. That's Norton, right? That's the role he's playing here. Patty isn't that. Patty is aware of Kevin's flaws and probably very much aware of Neil's flaws. I mean, changing his diapers, even though she's three years younger. But I think, again, going back to the rules of the show, it's not sitcom. It's not multi-camera when Patty and Allison are alone. That's very important 
to pick up. That's the show teaching you how to watch a show. Patty is someone different than Neil and Kevin. She is a different kind of animal. She is not a sitcom-y character who makes Allison feel like she's in that world when she's around. These are two people who are going to have adult conversations and ha- and have a relationship that evolves on an adult level, not on a sitcom-y bullshit level. Agreed. You mentioned Neil. How, what, what's your feel for Neil? I Again, I think yeah, Alex Bonifer is playing Neil here. Not someone I know, but man, for the character that Neil is, I think he's killing it. Where they're talking about, it's towards the end of the episode, where they're talking about uh, them moving away. And he like, he all but rips open his shirt and like cries to God, you know, like, why, why, God, why, you know, like really over the top. But that's exactly who I expect that character to be in the sitcom, right? That's, that's, yeah. that's the role that that guy plays. I, I'm not expecting a terrible amount of character development because Neil is going to be one of those people rules wise, where it's always the multi-camera sitcom with him. That's who he represents in Allison's world. Yeah. And I think same goes for dad, Pete. Brian Howe, who I know his face. If you look at his IMDb, he is a classic. Hey, it's that guy. The guy's been on everything over the course of his career, but I couldn't pinpoint to one specific thing, but I knew his face when I saw him. I was like, oh, I know that guy from watching TV for 40 years. <laughs> you know who I really was happy to see was Raymond Lee, who plays Sam. He He's such a sweetheart. He was Ainsley's boyfriend in season one of Prodigal Son for a few episodes. Well, first he was her cameraman, and then they had a little relationship. Uh, yeah, but I, I think he's a sweetheart in the show. I'm really, really curious to see where they go with Sam and Allison. In their one brief scene in Bev's diner, there is, if not a ton, at least a really heavy horse worth of backstory with these two. This was yeah, some kind of I can't high school. Wait to learn this. Yeah, this was there was a high school relationship here that had weight and significance for both of them. Uh, that is in the room with them when they are talking about charcuterie. I think Sam is going to be a fascinating character, not only because he represents another person from Allison's past, but someone who's been gone from Worcester uh, for a period of time and has come back and has come back willingly or at least seemingly willingly to this town. That's going to be a whole point of view for Allison to be exposed to, especially as she develops this wanderlust, you know, with buying the house and going to Amherst gates and, and living this other life. Sam is going to be an interesting character for her now to have in her life again. I really think that it's through Sam that that we're going to learn more about her past. So I'm I'm excited because I don't know who else would be the person who could give us more backstory on how in the world did Kevin and her get together in the first place? He seems like prime for that. Obviously, there's a Jen mentioned and, you know, uh, the whole the whole mood in the room changes once her name comes out and Allison, you know, makes a beeline for the door. She's going to go make her damn, own damn charcuterie uh, meats and cheeses plate. Uh, Uh, It's funny because she just makes those little (laughs) roll-ups. Yes. But she looks very (laughs) proud of herself when she finishes it. So Well, and her aunt is like, ooh, la, la. Like, uh, just the fact that she rolled up ham and cheese together. Yeah, I thought that was really Let's be fair. I get Mr. Harrison's love of charcuterie. Uh, Who doesn't? But I don't, that was not a charcuterie board. It was just ham and cheese roll-ups like you would make for little children. (laughs) But it was very funny. Little children and 43-year-old men named Mike. Hello. Oh, no. C, 
See, uh oh, you might start finding your way here about who are you? Are you an Allison or are you a Kevin? Who will know? We have both parts. I would make the cheese and meats roll up, but then eat them. So I am both of them, I think. <laughs> I desire I think we're all it. And I will find we're both of them. And I will make it my damn self. That's uh, funny. Casting is going to be something I think we're going to probably be talking about a little bit just because. You know, as as these characters grow and we get to know them, I, I think it'll be important to revisit it. And there are characters we haven't met yet. Uh, there are significant recurring characters that we haven't actually met yet in episode one, which we will have to talk about as they get introduced to the show. Guys, the show, you can't predict what's happening in this show. So don't try. <laughs> it's just just go along with it. Uh, it yeah. So there's a bunch I of characters we haven't that. met I yet. I love that it's so like, unpredictable and, and makes you think. Yeah, because as much as this show really this episode really introduces you to this world and to this show and spend some time world building it's really not pulled back the curtain uh, only it's only pulled it back i'd say a fraction of the way on the story on the on the tale to be told here about all of these people yeah when caroline said that you got to stick with it uh not only through this episode and not only through like the sitcom parts if you're into the drama or the drama parts if you're into the sitcom parts but you got to stick with this show because it's got a really interesting wild story to tell you um one thing that i think came out of watching this episode and you and i spent a lot of time talking about uh when we were both watching this are the themes of the show now i think all good shows all serialized shows have themes, or most of them do. I think this show in particular is about the themes, though. And I think the the same way I think it, this show is unique in how it's telling its story, I think it's unique because it's really grabbing by the shoulders the themes it wants to talk about and shaking them really hard. So hopefully each week we're going to find some different themes to share with you guys. So while there are literally, I would say, probably a 100 themes that we could hit on in this first episode, um, we're going to kind of dole them out little by little so that we could talk about them a little bit. Um, I, you know, this the first idea that a sitcom wife is never allowed to be funny. Oh, that one galls me so. Uh, I, I feel like Roseanne was like a big, like, you know, breakout of that where, you know, Dan was supposed to play a little bit more, you know, second man to her. Her, that's one of the first sitcom wives I can remember seeing where she was allowed to be funny at all. You see this trope all the time in sitcoms where there'll be four people in a room. The husband will say a joke. Everyone guffaws. The best friend says the same exact joke a little bit later, and everyone laughs because it's a great, great callback. Then the third person in the room will make the same joke, and everyone laughs again because, again, it's a great callback. And then the wife will say the same joke and everyone just stares at her. And like, what are you talking about? That's not funny. Why do we do that? Why? Why did we decide that that's funny? It's not. Here's what I'm going to say. I think in any relationship, there's the there's the funny one. And that tends to make the other person have to play the straight guy. And it doesn't matter guy or girl. And in this case, it happens to be the guy. But a lot of times, it's whoever has the bigger ego has to be the funny one because they can't not be the funny one. So there's, it doesn't matter guy or girl. I know, I know plenty of girls who like to be the one. I, I think that it's interesting that when the straight guy tries to say anything, tries to even make the tiniest of joke, it's like record scratch. 
You know, like, I'm sorry, what were you doing there? What did you just say? Like, don't do that. Right. Well, I mean, and there's so many examples of that in this episode. You get to the point, even in this episode, you get to the point where Allison just kind of even stops trying for a bit. And then and then just enough time goes by where then she tries again. You know, there's the the opening scene. Uh, Kevin is playing video games, but it's time to go to work. And listen, guys, I love video games. I can't spend my morning before it's work time playing video games. I don't know what kind of life Kevin has that allows him to do that, but damn. I think uh, shift work. Maybe. But I guess she was also going off to work, but I guess liquor stores don't open that early. Shift work yeah, too. liquor stores won't probably open before noon. Uh, blue, yeah. blue laws and all that. Anyway, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a scene where they're talking about the cost of things and, and life examples, and she makes a joke in the same pattern that he had just made about the cost of Pottery Barn being expensive. And he looks at her like she shit on the carpet. And, and, and But it was a funny joke. I mean, it was as funny as what he had said previously. But you're right. It's you're you're not allowed to make jokes. That's not that's your not job. Your yeah, and, that's not your role. And funny people are allowed to be serious sometimes because it. Oh, look, look how deep that person is. Like, they're always funny. But man, they've got like a real brain inside their head. Serious people are not allowed to be funny in these in these types of situations. We've all maybe been people at in different relationships at this time who that's not your job. Leave, leave the comedy to the funny people, honey. And it's infuriating, but it's something that you don't see on TV. People don't talk about this. So I love that this show, I'm going to say this a lot, and I'm curious if you feel the same way, but I love that we're getting this conversation on a TV show. Yeah, I think it's super important. And I think that it goes back to that initial who and what have we been laughing at all these years? People may not even realize that they're doing this to others or that they themselves are the ones being put in this box. You know, I, I think there's a lot of people who don't realize where they stand in their relationship, that they have a view of their relationship that does not actually reflect what the reality is. Which I think will be very surprising for people as they sort of like uncover their own lives. So far, the initial reviews for the show have been good, and they've praised Valerie Armstrong and they've praised Annie Murphy for taking the sitcom wife and turning and that's uh, turning on its ear, and you know she's mad as hell, as mad as hell, and she's not going to take it anymore, kind of thing. Once people start watching the show, I am saying it now: there's going to be backlash against this show for quote unquote creating a problem that doesn't really exist mm. there you know the al bundys of the world are gonna come out of the woodwork and be like women should not speak and they are not funny they are there to you know to serve and to be serious and i'm the funny one and and i do this not them this show's gonna get that it's gonna uh, there are gonna be people yeah, it's going it's going to get in people's craw and it, it is going to make them upset and it's uncomfortable the idea that how you're living your life might be hurting someone else uh i think a bunch of people are not going to be willing to hear that or <laughs> or do that work to look inside themselves for fear of what they may find you know they're happy absolutely one that really bothered me was this idea that when the wife, the sitcom wife speaks, and again, I'm saying sitcom wife, but the the person who the has Allison this role, the Allison role in the relationship, speaks and says, "I was thinking," 
And before it can even get to what they were thinking about, everyone else in the room groans at them, you know, and not just the nag according to the husband, but the nag according to the husband and his flunkies. There's a scene here where they're all going around talking about the anniversary rager and how they should have the party. And they all put in their two cents. And then Allison says, well, I was thinking, and I think it's even Patty who does it the loudest goes, oh, like throws their heads up, like, you know, roll their eyes, make audible groans. Caroline, don't we know people that do this and get subjected to this all the time? Yes. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, it plays out in all different ways. Sometimes it's more subtle. Sometimes it's more overt. Sometimes it's a, it's an actual groan, but sometimes it's just not listening. You know, the rest of what you said that it's the old Homer Simpson, you know, monkey with the symbols in his head as you're talking. So for me, the theme there is that dismissiveness too. Yeah. The nag is there, right? The repeating of something she wants done, but also the, there's, you're not even here. Like no one cares what you think. The concept of that as a human being no one cares what your thoughts are uh... i want to play this clip now uh not only because i think it's an important clip for summing up what the episode is about but because right after this clip ends the marcus the creepy mechanic uh, makes it clear he wasn't listening to anything she said and she goes ape shit over him she eventually like hits him that's this it's this you're only good for roles and you're only seen when you are fulfilling the roles for which you are have been pigeonholed like what the hell are you supposed to do if you can't close your eyes and picture a future where everything's okay because dreaming's useless with him around so what do i just go numb and then Marcus, the mechanic, says, oh, yeah, numb. Yeah, this shit will make you numb. It's really pure. And she's like, what the fuck? That's not what I was talking about. What? No. You weren't listening. I'm a, I'm a customer. And you couldn't be bothered just to pay attention? Is the sound of my voice impossible to hear? Because if you're having trouble, I can go louder, you dick! Ah! Yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny when you said that, that actually, you know, you may have unlocked the mystery of all the women who yell at customer service people. They're actually Allison's who think that because they come to a situation where you have to listen it's to It's your me. literally I'm fucking customer. job. Yeah. Yeah. Think about that for a second. You may have just unlocked the entire mystery of who gets laughed at in those scenarios. That woman that comes to the store and doesn't feel heard and acts unreasonably and maybe even acts out you see it in this in this exact scene yeah oh whoa (laughs) that's a new take on that you see all the time on facebook especially facebook it's along the lines of never assume what someone else is going through it's part of the just be nice oh it's be kind you don't know what the battles everyone the other person's fighting essentially yeah right yeah that that one and and allison here is that person she is ready to break and this idea that she's not being heard even by the creepy drug mechanic is not even giving her the time of day to listen to her even giving her basic human respect to listening to her is just a fucking straw that breaks her back uh yeah uh, yeah uh i was just reading this thing about immature thoughts and and mature thoughts and an immature thought is that everything i say should be listened to 
Sure. And everyone should listen to me all the time. And then the, the mature thought is I have to earn respect from people for them to listen to me. I think that that's something that Patty questions her on at the end of with the with the bank account. Yeah. Like you haven't done the work to be listened to. You're complaining about not being a part of your own life and not having a say. And yet you're the one not speaking up. And I understand that feeling of like, well, but no one listens to me when I speak up. Yeah. But you're, you've created the dynamic. Like it, there was a neutral place at some point in theory. Right. I mean, it begs the question. It doesn't, I loved when you said that Allison's not perfect. This should not be taken like, okay, if you find that you're relating to Kevin, please don't turn off the TV. Please don't say, okay, well, this show's stupid. It doesn't understand anything. Please just like, wait a second, because Allison is not without her flaws. She plays a role in her own life. And I think that part, that's can be empowering in and of itself. Like that means there's potential for change. If you think back to the clip that we just played, and and so I think for the first time, maybe in a long time, maybe in 10 years, she's having to confront things that she has not wanted to confront. And I think that's what Patty's getting to. But think about her conversation with Marcus or her monologue with Marcus in that clip we played. She's saying, and rightly, she's she's discovering, maybe I'm not really bad at driving. Maybe he, Kevin just says I'm bad at driving because he wants the car. There's another aspect to that that she doesn't say here. She hasn't She hasn't fully realized that maybe she allowed Kevin to convince her that she's not good at driving. Maybe like the bank accounts, I'm not good at handling money. You think he's better? Uh, that That right. is applicable in many aspects of Allison's life, I think we're going to find. Allison has to be accountable a little bit as a participant in her life. It's not all going to be, I want this and Kevin took it from me, or I couldn't do this. There is, I had a thing and I willingly gave it up because it was the easier path. Like living in the sitcom world is the easier path, I think, in a lot of ways versus shattering that it's shattering the multi-camera and bringing it into a single camera world she's not ready to do that yet and i don't know about you caroline as, as a recommendation but my recommendation would be for people to definitely watch all of these episodes more than once absolutely and and additionally you know we haven't talked about this too hard but it is entertaining you know there it, this is not a preachy show that's necessarily getting in your face and telling you don't be a kevin don't be an allison like it's not an after school special it is entertaining things are happening there there is a plot going on there are twists and turns you know and characters are moving in ways that you didn't see coming so it is entertaining there there is a very good story happening here you know i don't want to kind of cover up as being like okay this is gonna totally just you know make you want to turn off the television and be like, I don't need to be told how to live my life. Right. Like there, there's, there's stuff going on here that will make you invested in the characters. I will say, I, and I meant to say this earlier, I agree with Kevin and his friends. The Yankees do suck. I, I feel like I need to say that before we go off the air. I do uh, as a lifelong Mets fan, not a Red Sox fan, but a Mets fan. Uh, yes. The Yankees do suck, by the way. This is Caroline. And this is Mike. Thank you for listening to Kevin Kim Podcast himself. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Kevin Kim Podcast himself at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. It's everywhere available. If you could stop and take a minute to leave us a five-star rating, we'd most appreciate it so that we don't have to, you know, break into your house and steal your Wade Boggs rookie card that you have framed on the wall right by the door. We're coming for it. <laughs> 
Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you.